Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris from PleasureMechanics.com, and on this podcast, we have soulful and candid conversations about every facet of human sexuality. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com, where you will find our complete podcast archive, now over 300 episodes awaiting you. And while you are there, go to PleasureMechanics.com slash free and sign up for the Erotic Essentials, our free online course that offers you a banquet of actionable strategies and techniques you can put into play right away to start optimizing your sex life. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of sharing a conversation with Evian Whitney. Evian is founder of sexloveliberation.com, where she offers sexuality coaching and sensuality courses, and she shares her story from going from sexual repression and isolation to how she set out on the path towards sexual liberation and what that process has meant to her what qualities in her relationship help facilitate her journey, and her advice for folks just starting out on their sexual transformation path. I think it's really important for us to remember these hard yet essential first steps towards stepping into pleasure, embodying pleasure, embodying our sensuality, paying attention to who we are as sexual beings. And Evian Whitney speaks beautifully about this process and the role it has in the rest of our lives and culture. Before we begin the interview, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, GetMod.com. GetMod offers beautiful, elegantly presented modern sex essentials sent directly to your door. Their products will fill your bedside table with pleasure potential and seamlessly blend into your modern lifestyle. Go to GetMod.com and use the code PLEASURE for 15% off your order. That's GetMod, G-E-T-M-A-U-D-E, GetMod. Don't worry, the link is in the show notes. And use the code PLEASURE for 15% off your order. I'll tell you more about what they offer a little later in the show. But thank you to GetMod.com for supporting the show and for offering such beautiful sexual wellness products. All right, on with the interview with Evian Whitney. My name is Evian Whitney, and I am a sexuality doula, a sex educator, and host of the podcast, The Sexually Liberated Woman. So how did you get here? How did you become a sexually liberated woman? Oh my gosh, it's a really, really long, wild, tumultuous story, so I'll try to condense it a little bit. Um, I was born and raised in a very religious, strict household. And so because of that, um, the messages that I was receiving about sex and sexuality and even my own body weren't uh, the most open. They weren't the most positive. And I grew up believing that my sexual worth was only um, meant to be uncovered. My sexual identity was only meant to be uncovered and expressed within a relationship, a marriage between a man and a woman. And so because of that, I definitely had a lot of issues (laughs) because hormones are real. And when you are a young teenager, you want to explore your body and you want to explore sex and sexuality. 
And um, so I was definitely feeling kind of in this middle point of knowing that exploring my sexuality and my body was wrong, knowing that things like masturbation and sex before marriage was a sin, but also feeling very curious and very um, excited and intrigued about my own body and about sexuality. And so it's interesting, you know, I feel like I was taught for so long, don't have sex, don't have sex until you're married. And because of that, you know, I think that there was this assumption that the moment that I got married or the moment that I got into a relationship uh, that was long term, that's when my sexuality would be activated and I would be able to have full on multiple orgasms and I would know my body very well. And that was very much not the case um, when I finally got into a relationship uh, a healthy relationship with someone that I really love, and uh, he's my husband now, I was astounded at how little I knew about sex, about how little I knew about my own sexual needs and uh, how disconnected I was from my own sexual identity. And so it's it's taken a lot of years for me to do that work of uncovering that, like uncovering who I am as a sexual being, what my sexual needs are, both within the relationship that I have now and also the sexual relationship that I have with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's taken a lot of years. The journey is not complete, <laughs> but I'm certainly uh, a lot further along than I was, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm. And when you were receiving those early messages, did you believe them? Or were you already in a process of questioning the messages? Like how much did you internalize it? I internalized it a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I trusted, I trusted my parents. I I trusted my church. I mean, there was, there was a part of me that was kind of like, this is kind of weird. Like, you know, I, I definitely did notice that Like for one thing, um, when I was eight and also I believe I did it again when I was 12, I signed a purity contract with my church. Mm -hmm. And I always found that that was so interesting that, you know, the boys were sequestered off into the gymnasium and all the girls stayed in this one little room. And we were taught about, you know, being pure and remaining virginal and chaste. And I often wondered, like, I wonder if the boys got that same conversation. Like, I wonder if the boys also signed purity contracts. And then later I found out when I was talking to an ex of mine who went to the same church as mine, um, he was like, oh yeah, we never signed purity contracts. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I I did find that that was strange. And and there were certainly things that, that made my ears perk up like, Hmm, this doesn't seem right. But, uh, but I, I, I trusted it. I mean, I trusted, especially when I was really, really young, I thought that that was the the way and the truth. And um, so, yeah, and I internalized those messages even when I was like 18, 19, 20, when I really started to disengage from the church and I started to disengage from those lessons and those belief systems, those internalized messages were still there. They were still dictating the way that I moved around the world and the way that I saw my body and my sexuality. And so... That's kind of the way that I approach the work that I do today is remembering that like, you know, it's before we can get to that sexual liberated um, area that we want to be like, we have to unlearn and dismantle all of the lessons that has brought us here today that has maybe told us that 
bodies are gross or that sex is sinful, even if we don't actively believe them today, they're still going on in the background, you know? Mm -hmm. So what does this word liberation mean to you? Oh, so many things. I mean, for me, it just means freedom. It means Mm -hmm. freedom to, to be the woman that I want to be. And also my ability to have control, like my ability to have control over my narratives about myself, about my sexuality, about my body, like liberation is so much about uh, autonomy for me, agency. Uh, And those are a lot of things that I didn't have uh, for a really big portion of my life. I mean, I would say historically, having you know, bodily autonomy and sexual agency is a relatively new concept for me. I mean, I'm only 30 years old, but I spent like most, like at least 20 years, at least 20 years of my life um, without those things. And so liberation for me is about uh, finding myself in those places, like being able to explore who I am, being able to own my body, own my narratives Um, and not answer to anyone, not be dictated by anything other than my truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite words right now to connect to sexuality, for sure. Um, Mm. I've heard you talk about how falling in love was one of the catalysts that motivated you to prioritize your sexual journey. What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think think that, you know, when you're... (laughs) when you're in a relationship with someone, at least for me, it really brought to light and and brought the whole sex love thing right up into my face. And it, and it mm-hmm. really happened when we moved in together. Uh, cause I mean, I, I had been in another relationship before, um, but we weren't living together. So, um, in this particular relationship, the one that I'm in now being like, partners, like sharing the same space, sleeping in the same bed, seeing each other naked, like on a daily basis. I mean, that really brought to the forefront all of the issues that I had with intimacy, all of the issues that I had with sexuality, my own nakedness, um, and not just like physical nakedness, but just being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I really attribute a lot of my growth and a lot of my sexual liberation to being in that relationship because that relationship catapulted me into having to finally look at these things and stop ignoring them, you know? Sometimes I visualize it as like a thaw when you're in the warmth of a love that's real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You start thawing out and all of the shame and trauma are exposed after so many years. I like that analogy. That's a really, really good one. And it's so true. Like, I mean, it was a really beautiful time for us. I mean, our relationship was, or the start of our relationship was a whirlwind. I mean, it happened really, really quickly. Uh, so it was, it was great. It was wonderful. It was magical. And then it was also really painful. It was very, very triggering, very traumatizing. And, um, I feel so blessed every day that I was able to share that experience with someone who was open to holding me and open to just allowing me to unfold in the time that I needed to unfold. Like he was always very patient and, um, just very compassionate about what I was going through. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I listened to your podcast episode where he interviewed you. 
Mm-hmm. That was really beautiful to hear. And I wanted to know from your perspective, what are the qualities he brought that allowed him to be such a supportive partner and give you the space to go on this journey? Mm. Patience. Mm-hmm. Patience was a big one. Uh, not feeling rushed, you know, because I mean, we definitely had had some shit <laughs> come mm-hmm. up in our relationship. And, um, and especially around the sexual realm, I know that it was very frustrating for him and it would have been really easy for him to be like, okay, so it's, this has been going on for however many days, however many months I'm tired of this. Like you either need to figure this stuff out or I walk. Um, and that was never an ultimatum for him. He was always very patient. And I think, I think there is a part of him that just saw my own potential. Like he saw that. I have the ability and the potential to be sexually confident and to be self-possessed and to be liberated in every aspect of my life. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was so patient and he was so compassionate. Uh, And, you know, a lot of the times I would just sit there, especially when things were were going really, really bad. um, I would look at him and be like, why are you still here? (laughs) Because any other person, a man in particular, because I mean, men feel incredibly entitled to women's bodies, women's sexualities, women's pleasure. Uh, the, the fact that he still stayed around, I mean, any man would have left, any other man would have left. And so I feel very blessed that he was able to be patient with me and uh, give me grace and space to, and also not even just that, like, I mean, he was also very very active in my own, um, liberation process. I mean, he, he would challenge me. He would call me out sometimes. I mean, very gently, he he was, he wasn't, he wasn't rude about it, but he would definitely make a point to, uh, push back on the limiting beliefs that I had or the anxieties that I had or the ways that I was being triggered. I mean, he was very, very much about wanting to hold space for me and also wanting to, um, just keep me on that forward moving path of liberation. And I'm just, I feel incredibly blessed that I chose him in this lifetime because I don't, I don't know if I would be as far along in my liberation journey, not even just in the sexual realm, but just in other, like all realms, uh, if it weren't for having being like having being held by this person and having being supported by him. It was, it was just, it's such a, it's such a gift that I don't take lightly. Mm-hmm. Before we continue the interview, I'd like to take a moment to thank our friends at getmod.com for sponsoring this episode. At getmod.com, the link is in the show notes, you get to build your own kit of modern sex essentials. They take you through a little quiz and you let them know what kind of sex you like to have, and then they ship you a customized kit of the highest quality sex gear, like condoms, organic lubricant, a beautifully designed vibrator, what you need to have more fun and unlock more pleasurable potential 
in your bedroom. Go to getmod.com. That's G-E-T-M-A-U-D-E, getmod.com, to build your own kit of modern sex essentials and use the code PLEASURE for 15% off your order. Thanks, friends at Mod. We really appreciate the support of this podcast. And thank you for doing all the beautiful work you are doing to make this world a more pleasurable place. And now back to our interview with Evian Whitney of sexloveliberation.com. Here we go. So what did that journey look like? What were some of the tangible experiences or experiments that you did to propel yourself along this path? Well, I read a lot of books because <laughs> uh, I, I really I, I love I love reading. I love gathering knowledge. Um, and for me, one of the easiest ways for me to even think about liberation as a concept and especially sexual liberation was to read other people who were doing it, uh, other people who were living it. And so I was reading books um, and then I was also just having some really heart-to-heart conversations with my partner about things like love and sex and desire. And um, the other big piece was being in therapy. I mean, I was, when I realized that what I was going through wasn't just like um, normal in the sense of like, oh, this, this too shall pass. It was more like, no, there are some serious triggers and traumas that need to be reconciled before you can move further. Um, being in therapy was huge for me. A a lot of the things that I worked through in therapy had to do with uh, sex and sexuality. It had to do with the lessons that I was taught in church and from my parents and then, you know, watching their relationship unfold and, and the ways that their relationship influenced my own understandings of what love and sex and fidelity and uh, being a woman looked like. And so, yeah, I, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. Like I'm, I'm very open about the fact that I'm still in therapy to this day and, and how deeply that has affected my ability to, um, be the liberated person that I am today, just by going in, checking myself and making sure that I am healing these traumas that have, have happened to me over time. And so as this process went on, what changes did you notice in your body, in your experience of sex, but also in your life as a whole? Mm. In my body, I noticed, so I got on birth control right around the time that all of this stuff was happening. And um, I noticed that my body started to become thicker, which I wasn't, I, I wasn't prepared for. And so I was having a lot of body dysmorphia a little bit. Like I was just like, I don't, what is this body? I don't know what's going on. Like I really started to feel like through this process of unlearning all of these, uh, lessons about sex, you know, sex being sinful, my body doesn't belong to me. My body started to transform. It it started to become more womanly. Like I had more curves and, you know, I was carrying a little bit more weight and, it was, it was a challenging time for me because I, I, I've always been a particular size and to have that change happen. So like, uh, and it wasn't really gradual. I feel like it's just started to, no, maybe it was a little, it it was a little gradual, but I do remember being like looking at pictures and being like, Oh my gosh, like I've, I've gained some weight. Um, just, just watching that happen was really, 
really interesting for me. And it also, I think, helped put me in this mindset of like, I am really transforming. I am literally changing both on the inside and on the outside. Um, and that also just gave me a different understanding and a new relationship to my body that I don't think that I would have had if I hadn't gone through those changes. So um, I, I felt a lot more connected to my body. I definitely went through some some serious feels about being a little bit heavier and I had to like check my own like shame around being bigger and, and things like that. But at the end, like I really started to appreciate that the way that my body was changing was a reflection of the way that I was changing internally as well. Um, and then, you know, just on, on a sexual level with my partner, like I, I started noticing that sex wasn't that big of a deal anymore that, <laughs> that we could have conversations about sex and it wasn't, I wasn't walking away feeling really emotional or really like triggered or activated that we could just like talk about sex and it was like, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was really cool because for a long time, you know, we couldn't have conversations about sex without me feeling triggered or without me being like, Oh, here we go. He's judging me because I haven't had sex with him in a long time. And I'm about to be, you know, judged or, or whatever. Like I, I was able to be like, Oh, we can have just like a regular conversation about sex. And it's not a big deal. It's just, it is what it is. And then we can move on and talk about something else. That was, that was really cool. Just being able to access sex in a way that was light and playful, like having a sense of playfulness with sex was, was one of the ways that I knew that like I was starting to, to have those transformations because for me before sex was very serious and it was very like, you know, um, mysterious. And I, I didn't even really know how to allow myself to just like relax and surrender to the experience and the pleasure of sex. And so when I could finally feel my body being like, this is fun. Like w when I could finally even laugh a little and smile a little when I was having sex, I knew that that was when I started to change. Mm. Did you experience any like crygasms or release of grief during sex? So many crygasms. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, so many crygasms. And at first when I was having them, I, I thought that there was something wrong. Like the reason why I was crying was because I was unhappy. And, and sometimes there, sometimes that was the case. I remember the first, the first, uh, crygasms that I had were crygasms that were coming from a place of like being re-traumatized and having to really, um, I guess ground back into my body because the orgasm or the pleasure took me out of it for a second and I started to panic and I started to have anxiety attacks. So those were there, those kinds of, um, crygasms. And then like later when I started to feel myself shift and I started to feel myself change and, you know, trauma wasn't weighing so heavily on me when I would have crygasms, I'd be like, Oh no, I'm back here again. <laughs> I thought that I got over this. And then I realized like, no, like this is just another way of your body releasing. And so I started to not be as judgmental about that um, as my process. And it's been a long time since I've had a crygasm. Uh, I, I I was about to say that I kind of miss them. And I, I guess I do. I, I kind of miss just feeling that that other visceral release of knowing that like, just as this orgasm has cleansed me, my tears can also cleanse me in this space as well. Mm-hmm. 
I think I originally found you um, through your sensual selfie challenge. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So can you talk a little bit about that and what the role of self-portraiture has been for you in this journey? Yeah. So I stumbled across uh, sensual self-portraiture when I realized that even though I was living this sexually liberated life, I was still feeling very shy and very, um, very, maybe a little shame about living my sexuality in full color, like being very loud and open and bold and expressive with my sexual liberation. And, um, the idea, I mean, I've, I've, I've taken, I mean, I, I was taking selfies and I I dabbled in self-portraiture for a while. I thought that I was going to be a photographer Hmm. and, um, and, you know, I had used that medium as a way to explore myself, as a way to express myself. And so I started thinking, like, what would it look like for me to take sensual, sexy, nudish photos as a way to explore and express my sexuality more so than, you know, the ways that I was doing, which was through writing, which writing was great, but it, it wasn't really challenging me anymore. Mm. And I also just wanted to... Uh, I, I wanted to not be so afraid and so ashamed of being immodest <laughs> by mm. by showing off my body and, and being someone who says very openly and proudly, like, I love sex. I love having orgasms. I love the work that I do. I love my sexual body. And so I started it kind of as an experiment of just taking these sensual selfies and posting them on Instagram, just seeing how it would be uh, – received by people. I, I was, uh, kind of bracing myself because I thought that the first time that I ever posted this photo, people would be like, Oh, this is just disgraceful. I can't, I can't follow her anymore. But it was, it was very shocking to see that a lot of people, a a vast majority of the people who were following me during those first few selfies that I posted were very supportive and, uh, they, they loved seeing me, uh, express myself in that way. And I also think that it, it inspired them to do the same and in, in their own ways as well. And so I've been doing this, you know, sensual selfie taking for the last two years now. And I started to just really feel the effects of it. I started to feel more confident in my body. I started to feel like my libido was, uh, a little bit higher because I was inhabiting my sexual body so much. And because I was validating my sexuality with my own eyes with these photos. And so then I started thinking like, Oh man, this, this is so fun. Like I should teach people how to do this too. I mean, it's, it's a really easy way to, uh, start to dabble in sexual liberation that doesn't have to look like being in therapy for 50 hours. (laughs) You know, I mean, a lot of us are, already taking selfies anyway, just like putting that intention to take a selfie that honors your sexuality, that shows off your body as a, not so much as a way to titillate, not so much as a way to, um, try to get people to be turned on, but just as a way to be like, this is my body. I am proud of my body. I accept my body and I honor my sexuality. It's not something that I want to hide. It's something that uh, should be celebrated. And that's kind of where I started the the sensual selfie challenge from, just really wanting to create this movement of amazing babes doing this kind of work that I've been doing for for so long by myself. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I loved about it, it was 
um, you focus on creating photos and portraitures not in the usual gaze of an external um, mystical figure who's looking at you but from your own sense of agency mm-hmm. and you can see that in your photography that it's on your own terms and yeah. for your own pleasure and exactly. that's such a radical perspective in the age of selfies when it's not about the performance but about the embodiment absolutely and that's one of the reasons why this has been so powerful for me because as I was mentioning before, you know, I didn't have agency or I didn't feel like I had agency. I didn't feel like my sexuality belonged to me. I felt like the sexuality that I did have was used only to uh, titillate men or as um, some kind of exchange uh, or like, like like a currency, you know? And so being able to flip all of those things on its head and say like, nope, I am in charge of my gaze. I am in charge of my sexual narrative. I am in charge of my sexual body. I completely own my sexual body. No one else owns this. I'm not doing this for you. Mm. I mean, that, that is a very, very radical thing for me in, in like in particular, very personally for me to do, uh, just thinking about the ways that I was raised and, and, uh, everything that, has happened that has led me here. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really radical act for me. Hmm. So one of your other offerings is a 30 day sensuality course. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the word sensuality is kind of, um, it's not respected in the way it should be. It's kind of a throwaway yeah. word in the sexual realm, like, oh, sensual. What does mm-hmm. sensuality mean to you? And why is it important enough to make this offering? Yeah, well, I when I first heard the word sensual and sensuality, it was attached to sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was attached to the erotic. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But I think for me and in my particular <clears throat> development, I needed to disentangle sensuality from sex because mm. sex was already really triggering. It was already really dramatic for me. I just wanted to be able to access sensuality and to be sensual without it having to have anything to do with um, having sex or, you know, being sexy. And so these days, sensuality means for me, just listening to your senses, like being fully embodied in your body, uh, being fully aware and observant with your senses and connecting to what makes you feel good sensually. Uh, and when I say sensually, I just mean like through your senses, like the things that you feel, the things that you taste, the, the things that you smell um, as a way of making yourself feel good. And I've noticed that when I have when I separated sensual from the sexual and began teaching this course and also helping other people to see sensuality as not being just related to the sexual I don't know. It, it, it helps people access their bodies a lot more. It helps people access their senses a lot more. And I think it's because sex is still very taboo and it's still uh, pretty heavy for a lot of folks. Folks have a lot of trauma around sex. Mm-hmm. And so being able to separate sensuality from sexuality has given people permission to just like luxuriate in pleasure, like non-sexual pleasure. Um, And then when they feel ready, they can incorporate sensuality into sexuality, which is something that uh, I would love to expound on more. I'm actually thinking about 
creating maybe 30 days of sensuality and sexuality or something like that. Because um, while I do think that it's really great to disentangle sensuality from sexuality, there's also something really beautiful about it when they're both married to each other, when you can experience and explore the sensual within the sexual. And so, yeah, I, I, I like kind of taking small steps to things. Like I, I like having a just a, an easy, gentle approach to things mm-hmm. and separating sensual from the sexual was just my way of being able to make more sense of what my body is doing and make more sense of what my senses are doing without being bombarded and like feeling the weight and the pressure of, of sex and sexiness too. Mm-hmm. And in your courses and in your coaching, what are the main themes of resistance that come up for the women you work with? Mm, definitely, definitely trauma is a huge thing that comes up. Um, and it's, it's a huge source of resistance. I mean, uh, every single client that I've had, and I've had hundreds at this point has been sexually traumatized in some capacity. And so being in knowing that and having that information is really sobering for me to realize just how, uh, just how, I guess, just how hard sex can be for people, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think because sex can be hard, it keeps others from being able to access the other parts that don't really have anything to do with sex. So again, coming back to sensuality, you know, I mean, some, some of the women that I've worked with are so triggered and so traumatized by sex that to feel pleasure in their body that doesn't have a sexual context, that is just purely sensual, that is just purely satiating their senses, feels sinful, feels wrong, Mm -hmm. feels dirty. Uh, and so, uh, it's it's sad. It's really sad to see that. But I also it's also very gratifying for me to watch these women come from those places of shame and come from those places of uh, of, of brokenness and really reclaim pleasure and reclaim their sexual identities and their sexual expressions in ways that feel really good for them that that don't feel performative that don't feel like an obligation that feel just really holistic and really just really easeful, really playful. Like that's, that's the best part of my work is the, is the last session where we go back and we kind of take a walk down memory lane through all the notes that I've taken. And I see just where they started. Like they started from a place of like, I can't access sex. I can't access pleasure. I have no relationship with my body or with my desires. And then to be where they are at today, where they're like, Oh yeah, like I'm able to, have orgasms. I'm able to masturbate more and and not feel ashamed, or I'm able to look at my pussy and not feel like, uh, just gross or, or not feel like sad, you know, like it's, it's really, I, I love those last sessions because it really, uh, puts into context how much work they've done in terms of healing and in terms of unlearning all of those, those things that were giving them that resistance. Mm hmm. And do you approach um, work differently with other women of color versus white women? Do you feel like there's any specific issues there that are brought to you? Absolutely. I mean, the truth is that black women and women of color have a different sexual experience than Mm -hmm. white women. Um, And that's because 
for for us, you know, um, it's our sexuality is also racialized. There's mm-hmm. racist elements to our sexuality. And so with my clients of color, with with uh, the black women that I work with, we're not just dismantling um, <clears throat> religious uh, stuff. We're not just dismantling sexual shame and trauma. We're dismantling like sexual shame and trauma that has its roots in racism and white supremacy. Uh, and so that's also a really um, a really important thing that. I try to stay connected to in my work is just remembering that like not everyone's sexual experiences are the same. And mm-hmm. especially when it comes to white women, um, white femmes versus, you know, black femmes, women of color and, and all, all these other, you know, people of color, like yeah. it, their experiences just, they're not the same. Uh, and, and, it's, it's important that we remember that, you know, it's important that that is something that we think about when it comes to um, the sexual liberation of others and also as other healers, you know, as other coaches, uh, therapists, counselors, uh, that we remember that, that we remember that, you know, they're, <laughs> that, they're, that our experiences as women of color, as black women are very nuanced in ways that um, just aren't for, for white women. And have you found that reclaiming your sexual agency has effects that help you carry yourself out in the world living in a racist country? Like, does it give you more resources when you've worked with your sexual agency to have more agency socially? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, when I feel when I feel confident in my sexuality, when I feel confident in my body, I feel confident, uh, like just in general, as a whole person, as a black woman walking on the street. And so Mm. there's definitely a connection to sexual liberation and just my own personal, uh, my own personal liberation when it comes to me being able to be like, I belong here, my life matters. And the pleasure that I experience is an important part of my life, you know? I mean, I think so often black women and women of color were constantly fighting against mm-hmm. systems of oppression. We're constantly fighting against white supremacy and racism. And for black women, that's misogynoir, which is the hatred of black women. Mm. And so sometimes uh, it can feel like all we're doing is fighting. All we're doing is surviving. Uh, and so being able to remind myself that Yes, I am a black woman, but I am also a sexual being and my pleasure is important and I deserve a life that makes me feel good. I deserve a life that uh, nourishes and nurtures my body. Um, that's That feels really radical. I'm, I'm actually, I just got done with a conversation uh, with two amazing black women who um, write at this website that they created called Afrosexology and Love they do <laughs> yeah they're so amazing they yeah. they do such amazing work around black sexual healing but from this place of pleasure that is really really just radical and they're they're going to be on my podcast super soon and I awesome. we just got done having this conversation about the importance of pleasure uh, especially for activists especially for uh, women of color for black women uh, who are doing this work around uh, liberation of of themselves and in a in a in a more human human way rather than in a sexual way? Like the the pleasure aspect is so important. 
Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for that episode. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's going to be out very soon. Like, I can't wait to share it with people. So what are the next frontiers for your personal explorations? Mm, um, personally, I'm dating right now, which is really fun. Uh, I kind of had a little hiatus from dating because I've been working on my career and uh, other creative projects that I'm really excited about. So the summer for me is going to be all about, you know, uh, bodily pleasures <laughs> in, in the non-monogamy, um, open relationship, sexual realm for me. I'm really excited about that. Um, in, in terms of like what I'm doing when it comes to my work, I mean, I'm just going to be teaching more workshops. I'm teaching, um, my sensual selfie workshop in in Portland these days and I'm also about to travel and teach the workshop in in New York which I'm really excited about and yeah just continuing to expand and expound on all the things that I've learned and and continuing to challenge and dismantle sex negativity because you know I've been doing this work for more than 10 years now and it's amazing how there's still so much to unlearn. There's still so much left to be healed. So I'm just going to keep going at it and hopefully bringing in a squad of sex positive babes with me Mm -hmm. (laughs) to inspire me and, and keep me going. Can you tell folks where to find you online when they're ready to learn more from you? Yeah, they can find me on my website, sexloveliberation.com. That's where they can find everything about the work that I do, uh, about the articles that I've written, about the podcasts that I host. Uh, And they can also find me on Instagram. That's where I'm posting my sensual selfies and and talking about the classes that I'm teaching and just ranting a little bit (laughs) about like sex sex negativity and, and, you know, uh, how we need to support sex workers and things like that. And they can find me on Instagram at my first name, Evian period Whitney. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your journey with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was fun to to chat with you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Evian Whitney. If you are listening to this podcast right around when it comes out at the end of August 2018, you are perfectly timed to join Evian Whitney's Sensual Selfie Challenge. It's a five-day Instagram challenge. I am going to do it this year because um, I am not a very visually oriented person and don't take selfies almost at all. So this will be well outside my comfort zone and I am always up for a challenge. So find Evian Whitney on Instagram, join her sensual selfies challenge. I would love to see your sensual selfies and check out her amazing work at sexloveliberation.com. Thank you to getmod.com, creators of modern sex essentials. Check out the link in the show notes page and use the code pleasure for 15% off. And we we'll see you next week with another episode of the Speaking of Sex podcast. I'm Chris from PleasureMechanics.com wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. Cheers.